This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Wednesday show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a radio program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, questions about what's going on in your life, questions about this crazy, crazy time that we're in, uh, questions about the Bible. I love those kinds of questions. Uh, All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call us toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send your questions to us that way. If you are driving in your car, and I don't think many of you are today, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app, and you'll get uh, your question directly to our studio producer. One more time, is 340-9585 for our main number. Well, I'm going to be here again tonight. We're going to be finishing uh, Genesis chapter 3, the chapter that everything turns on. I said uh, last time that this is the chapter that um, is the cause of this virus problem we have. This is the chapter where sin entered the world and the world that we live in began to decay and die. Uh, so I'm going to be finishing uh, chapter 3 tonight. Uh, you can live stream it at calvarysa.com. Uh, I understand that because everybody's home, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and a bunch of other places are overwhelmed and uh, people are having difficulty with them. So uh, all you have to do is go to our website, calvarysa.com, and uh, at 7 o'clock we will be live streaming our Wednesday evening service and worship. So join us, one of the key chapters in all of our Bibles, Genesis chapter 3. Paula will be live in studio with me tomorrow. Uh, she is essential personnel. It's her show that day, so she will be live in studio with me tomorrow on the date day edition of the program. Ladies, uh, if you need any encouragement, if you have any questions, Paula will be here to answer those questions. We look forward to that opportunity. I think most of us look forward for any reason to get out of the house these days. Let's go to the questions that we have sent in, and then uh, any of you who want to call, we will immediately take your phone calls. The first one is an anonymous question. It says, do you think this crisis will be used to strengthen corporate prayer meetings? Um, anonymous, I don't think so necessarily in the sense that, um, for example, we, we've had to cancel our Saturday morning prayer. We have corporate prayer every Saturday morning at 930. And um, now the, the new rules forbid us uh, from having uh, uh, people out of their homes, um, let alone enough of them that, that would normally be here at our prayer meetings. So so in that sense, no, it's actually going to discourage uh, our get-togethers because they don't want us to get together. However, and I think this is the important thing, um, I think this crisis is going to bring a lot of people to our knees. I think we need to get to the place where we are looking for Jesus, where we're talking to Jesus, where he becomes, again, sort of the center of our lives, the the one thing, Paul says, set your heart and minds on things above instead of all these extraneous things out in the world. And I really do believe, Anonymous, that this is going to uh, really invigorate the prayer lives of others. You know, we pray when we're afraid. 
We pray when we're out of our comfort zone or when we're uncomfortable. And and I think this is one of the things that God is going to use this for, is he's going to really try to get our attention. And as he does, he's going to move on our hearts to pray. You know, I don't think corporate prayer, whenever it takes place, is a big deal in the Christian church. And I think that's a shame. So I think when this whole thing is over, my prayer, my hope is that we will be so excited about being with one another in fellowship again that prayer will be the natural outflow prayer of thanksgiving and other kinds of prayer so uh, i i don't think the corporate prayer meeting will be strengthened but i do think anonymous that our individual prayer lives are going to be increased and by the way i meant to say this earlier we just got word yesterday that our easter service uh, we have been holding our Easter services for years at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. Our building isn't big enough for the crowd we get in our two services on Easter. And um, we had it reserved, paid for, everything was done. Uh, but we were informed last night that the Judson uh, School District um, um, is not coming back to school until at least April the 27th, I think the name is the date that they said. Uh, so they uh, they canceled us. So we don't know what we're going to be doing on Easter. Please keep that in prayer. And um, um, we don't even know if these uh, San Antonio restrictions are going to be lifted by Easter. I'm hopeful because our president is pushing for things to get back to normal by Easter. So uh, we'll see who's got the upper hand here. But um, we would appreciate your prayers. We would appreciate it very, very much. Here is an, uh, another anonymous question. It says, uh, my sister is in a committed lesbian relationship. Up to now, we've not permitted her partner in our home. I'm worried about our kids. Is this the right thing to do? Um, I, I think it is. You know, this is uh, between you and Lord. Romans fourteen twenty three says, anything not of faith is sin. And if this is a stumbling block for you, you love your sister. Um, but one of the things that we got to learn is that when we take a stand for our faith, well, then our message has power. And I think it's simple. You tell your sister that you know who I am. We're Christians. I want you to become a believer. I want you to repent of your sin and get right with God. And I can't do anything that would lend credibility to this as a relationship blessed by God. Uh, the problem, of course, is it will probably fracture your relationship with your sister at some point, maybe once and for all. But you see, that's when Christians pray. We've got to get over the sense that, well, well, I feel unloving or I feel like I'm being harsh. And make sure our heart is right with God, but stand for Jesus so people that we're praying for, in this case your sister, she can see that your faith means something to you. When we start compromising Anonymous, when we start softening our position just because of time or because we're, we're tired of being the outcast in the family, um, we simply can't do it. And, and we lose all of the authority of our testimonies. So I personally don't think you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, I would keep doing it. Um, I would explain to your children exactly why we love um, your aunt, my sister, but um, we love her so much we want her in heaven. And if you won't take a stand for your faith, and now uh, up to this point you have been taking that stand, um, but, but if you give in now, then all the power in your testimony is going to go with it. I know that's so harsh. People think that's one of the harshest things I say at times, but people are watching Christians and how we respond. If our faith isn't enough to stand for, then probably what we're going to do is end up losing our our witness. Let's go to line one and talk with Ray from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Hi, Ray. Glad you're feeling good. I'm still doing good. Us oldies got to kind of hang on. <laughs> yeah. I resemble that remark, Ray. 
I am that remark. <laughs> uh, when when you said that it was canceled at Judson for Easter, it just flashed in my my geek my my being. Um, is there any chance you could do it uh, this year at Rotama again? And I'm going to get off the line. It's not really a question, other than. Have you thought of that? And is it possible? And I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Ray. Uh, you know, um, it, it's certainly a possibility. However, the one thing we've got to understand is that place isn't set up for um, music. It's not set up for um, uh, the comfort of of uh, the, the the people who come to the service. And again, Ray, I, I, I ask all of you to pray because... Uh, we don't know yet whether or not we're even going to be able to gather in in uh, large groups again uh, by by Easter. Easter, or Easter is April the twelfth. These current guidelines are in effect until the ones that went in effect at, noon, at midnight this morning. Um, uh, these guidelines are in effect till April the ninth, and uh, we'll have to see what they're going to do. And I, I don't have a lot of hope, but I'm going to keep praying. I can't imagine missing an Easter. I missed an Easter service because uh, when I was going through my heart thing uh, a couple, three years ago, and um, boy, it was the worst feeling ever. So I I just don't know. We will certainly be doing something at least online as we are currently doing, uh, but I I can't imagine missing Easter. So I think Christians need to mobilize and pray, and we'll find out what's going. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate it very much. Let's go to Shirts, Texas now and talk with Scott on line two. Scott, thank you for calling. You are on the air. Good afternoon, Pastor Ron. Hi, Scott. Um, just I, I've been thinking this week, and maybe you've got some ideas, but I know that um, like on our church services, the pastor's putting recording it, put it on YouTube. But I lead a Bible study, a Sunday school class on Sunday morning, and I'm not really comfortable with recording it because usually the it's the fellowship and it's the interaction amongst everybody. So one thought I had was possibly doing like a Skype, but the phone call. But I was just wondering if you had any ideas or how would you know or what maybe some other people are doing during this time where they can't get together. So I'll uh, I'll just listen to you. Thank you, Scott. Um, I, I am not a techie. I mean, everybody who really knows me right now is laughing because that's the understatement of the century. Um, but here's what my friends who are techies are doing. They're on Facebook Live. Uh, they're, they're YouTube channels. We've been getting requests from all over the country uh, f- you know, to, to go like somebody else's um, YouTube site so they can get 100 subscribers. And, um, um, and, and and there's some break from there. So I know they're using YouTube and and Facebook Live. Um, but but Scott, let me let me caution you about something. Um, we've had the same issue with our Monday night women's Bible studies. Um, we 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 live stream the the, the teaching portion of it, uh, and then we go off for the off the air for the. Um, uh, question and answer in the interaction session. And as you've heard Paula say in this program, that, that, that the Q&A time or the, the uh, sharing time that, that occurs after the Bible study is often of, of greater value uh, even than, the, than the, the Bible study itself because people are, are having been convicted by the Word. They're dealing with it. They're responding to it. And Scott, the one thing I wouldn't do if I was you, and, and you didn't say how big your, your Bible study was, but the one thing I wouldn't do is do anything to jeopardize that intimacy and that sense of trust and, and real fellowship. The minute you start putting that online, and you've got problems with the questions being asked and, and, and being able to hear the questions um, when you record, but... Um, um, the intimacy of a small Bible study, that's what makes many of those studies attractive. And I just wouldn't do anything to jeopardize that. If you're pleased with the way the Bible study is going, and as you indicated, you're, you're pleased with the, 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 the fellowship and the, and the openness and the honesty, sometimes even the rawness of those uh, after-the-study fellowship times, um, then I wouldn't personally do anything 
um, to, um, to 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 jeopardize that. I just wouldn't. Um, you can put your teaching on YouTube, or you can put your teaching on Facebook Live. Um, if you've got an audience out there, I, I I'm not a big fan of people doing it. Just say I've got my teaching on YouTube. But but if there's people who are interested in watching, uh, one of the things that's happened here, Scott, is uh, we're getting so much internet traffic, um, live stream traffic. We can we can track it, um, and we're getting it from all, literally all over the world. Um, it, it's um, we're we're filling a hole. Um, I'm not sure a home Bible study or a small group Bible study uh, needs to take that step. So uh, pray. Let the Lord give you uh, some direction. Um, let him bless whatever it is his will uh, might be to do. And uh, you just you say, Lord, I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? And I'm going to do it. But um, that that's my counsel, Scott, for whatever it's worth. You've called enough times here that I know your heart and uh, just see what God is going to do. I'm sure he'll give you direction. Scott, thank you very, very much. And as always, I really appreciate your willingness uh, to serve the people that God has surrounded you with. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Donald. He says, how should I respond to a Christian who thinks he no longer sins because the sinful flesh has been done away with? Um, you know, Donald... Uh, lying is a sin, <laughs> and people that are honest. Now we've got uh, in our culture uh, all kinds of extremes, and one of the really extreme positions that people take is, um, in answer to the question, "Am I a saint or a sinner?" And instead of saying, "I'm a saint who sins," we 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 have this polarizing choice, and many say, "No, I'm a saint." And there is um, a number of teachers out there who will um, teach that we can achieve sinless perfection, that because sin has been done away with, sin shall no longer be in control, that we don't have to sin. And while it's true that we don't have to sin, Donald, the problem is that we do sin continually. So I think I would tell him, first, you're not being a realist. Tell me about your thought life over the last hour. When's the last time you just stretched the truth a little bit? When's the last time you lost your temper at somebody? Did you curse? I mean, there's all kinds of things. Have you thought unkindly or harshly toward another for whom Jesus died? Those are all sins. The Apostle John, I love First John because he says it so clearly. He says, if anybody says he is without sin, now remember, he's writing to believers. If anyone says he's without sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Paul the Apostle struggled. What I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I find myself, myself doing. Those are sins of omission and commission. That's the Apostle Paul. So this is a, a, a friend who needs to read his Bible or her Bible. And if he thinks he no longer sins, show him, say, well, how do you reconcile this this verse in First John? But Donald, for the life of me, I don't understand why people have our time with us struggling with the flesh. Paul says it were to sow to the the spirit to reap the benefits of the spirit rather than sowing to the flesh and reaping the consequences of flesh. He writes an entire letter to a carnal church in Corinth where he scolds them. He calls them brothers, beloved. But they sin continually. They're out of control. Anybody who thinks he or she doesn't sin is not being honest. And a great verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, when we sin, then all we have to do is confess our sins and He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we were saints who no longer had to sin, if we were sinless, Donald, then we wouldn't need to have that verse written. 
So I just sort of reason through the scriptures with him and ask him, let's be honest, have a, a candid conversation. Tell me about just your sins yesterday. Oh, I didn't sin yesterday. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, let's go. We've got, uh, it looks like Scott from Shirts back on line one. Scott, did I not answer your question? Uh, you, you did, but uh, I wanted to, what I'm really looking for is that intimacy like you were talking about. I'm not interested in posting anything more online. There's enough out there. Um, maybe one of your listeners uh, or some of your listeners are techies and they have some ideas. Our group is about 10 to 15. Uh-huh. The goes to, I've got one that's a World War II veteran in my group, down to um, um, maybe in their early 30s. They're all very strong Bible students. I've been so blessed. They study their scriptures, and it's that intimacy, it's that fellowship together that I would like to try to continue. Um, But I'm not sure how to do that. Yeah, Uh, uh, the microphone is open for anybody who wants to call and give some suggestions. Scott, I would uh, ask you maybe even uh, broach the subject with uh, those men and, and tell them, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you guys think about it? Not not in a sense that they're in charge of the Bible study, because you are, but um, uh, you'll at least get their honest feedback regarding uh, what their true feelings are about it. So, yeah, Scott, if anybody calls, I will. you'll hear it, so stay tuned. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to San Antonio again and talk with Harold on line two. Harold, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Harold, are you there? Okay, we lost Harold. Harold, if you are listening, uh, phone lines are open, you can call back. We have about four minutes left, I think, this half of the program. Marilyn wants to know, how can I deal with my family's unbelief as they near the end of life? My heart hurts just considering that they might not be in heaven. Marilyn, I, I, I deal with the same thing repeatedly. And not just my blood family, but I'm talking about people that I know well and people that I really care for. Um, and and I've always found that the closer they get to the end of life, the more direct I need to be. And your responsibility is to proclaim the message. Their responsibility is to make a choice. And Marilyn, unfortunately, they won't always make the, the right choice. And then what we have to do is we've got to rest. If they die, and they die separated from Christ, we have to rest in the goodness and the justice and the fairness of God. I have family members, people I care deeply for, who I know are not in heaven. And while that's kind of an untenable thing to have to deal with on earth, I know that God gave them every chance. I know that he loved them passionately, that he chased them to the very end. I know that I was able to share with some of them. I know that that um, um, God will be vindicated. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And at some point, you've just got to let the peace that passes understanding rule and reign in your hearts. But you can't make them believe. All you can do is tell them that God loves them. He's going to chase them to the end. And, and what I tell people, Marilyn, in this situation is, I'm going to tell you about Jesus every time that, that we're together. You want me to be here? Tell me. I won't come. But, but if I'm here, Jesus is here, and I'm going to tell you about him. And your persistence, your faithfulness, will sometimes wear him down. Now, Marilyn, you may have heard on this program... I have a father who was a deathbed conversion. I, I didn't lead him to the Lord. A pastor friend of mine did. He was in Las Vegas uh, where he lived, and I couldn't get there in time when I heard about the accident he was in, so my friend went over and led him to receive Christ. I got there the next day and was able to, he woke up just long enough to, to ask me, what, you, what are you doing there? And and, and then I, I said, you remember my friend Derek came? Yeah, he told me about Jesus. Dad, you asked Jesus into your heart? He said, yes. And and so um, my dad never wanted to talk about the Lord. For him, it was almost a sign of weakness that he needed anything or anyone. And yet, Jesus got my dad. 
have other family members who didn't want to. I do a lot of ministry. I always have with with people, uh, nursing homes and people right at the very, very end. And Marilyn, I've had him get so angry with me. It was as though the devil himself was there. And there's nothing you can do except rest in the goodness of God, the fairness and justice of God. And the fact that you did what you needed to do. Wish I had a formula, but there's no formula. This is between them and God at this point. Just be direct and stress the sense of urgency because the time is near. 340-9585. We've got 30 minutes left in the Wednesday program. 340-9585. This is the word to stand up for life. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. 340-9585 for our final 30 minutes. Here's a question from Kimberly. Pastor Ron, do you think God will protect us from this virus because we are Christians? Can we plead the blood? over coronavirus. Um, Kimberly, um, God will protect some. He won't protect others. You know, one of the things that we have to understand is, is Christians, and I, I, you know, the Bible makes this so clear. Uh, my study Friday night, in fact, would be a good one for you to tune into. It's Peter beginning this section in chapter 4, uh, verse 12 of of, of 1 Peter. He said, Brothers, don't think of it as strange when you suffer for being a Christian or when you suffer as a Christian. So here's the thing. This is a virus. Kimberly, God doesn't protect all of us from the flu. He doesn't protect us, uh, all of us from diabetes. He doesn't protect us from cancer. Christians get sick just like people in the world get sick. The difference is we don't go through these things alone. Unbelievers do. And so thinking that God will protect us or that Christians won't get it, uh, lots and lots of Christians. I read a story yesterday where 30 people from a a Baptist church, I can't remember where, I think it was Florida, but I'm not sure of that, um, at a a picnic, a youth event. Uh, 30, 30 of the people were infected and now test positive, some of them with symptoms, most of them without so, Kimberly, it's not reasonable for us to think that God will protect us. Now, pray for your health. Ask God to protect you. But give him the chance to say to you, if you do get infected, give him the chance to say to you, my grace is sufficient. Let him know that you've rested in who he is. But when we are praying to escape trials or tests, I think that's the wrong motive. Your question, can we plead the blood over coronavirus? I don't know whether you come from a prosperity church, health and wealth church background or not, Kimberly. But we don't have to plead the blood. The blood's already been given to us, but it's not a blood that heals us of physical disease. Now, it's true that sometimes God does heal. But, but we don't have any right to plead the blood for healing. We, we need to know that the blood has been shed for us and then out of a grateful heart. This is important, Kimberly. Out of a grateful heart. Then we can make our request known to God. But Christians don't have to plead the blood over anything. We don't have to claim the blood over anything. That blood has been shed and Kimberly, because it has, your sins are as far from you as east is from west. That's a pretty good deal, in my opinion. So if you get sick, God will be with you. Now, nobody wants to get sick, but just like we get colds and we get flu, and 
believers and unbelievers alike, God will be with you when the time comes. Let's go to Seguin and talk to our friend Reuben on line one. Reuben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Roy. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Reuben. I'll be glad when things get back to normal, but other than that, I'm doing fine. Amen. We just got to leave it to to God that his will be done. Yep. Um, what was the name of that young lady that just asked you that question? Kimberly? Kimberly. Kimberly? Yes. I'm so, um, I wanted to just uh, say something to her. She's listening. Um, okay. I, you know, you know my problem. You know what I've been going through over the six years and my illnesses and everything. I just wanted mm -hmm. to let her know that um, what you just said is spot on. Right now, um, my I am going through a physical ailment in my body, and I'm a believer. I'm a minister of music, and I've been a minister of music for over, oh, God, 30 years. And never did I ever think I would get sick with what I got sick with over six years ago. Never thought I could uh, get depression or anxiety because I came from one of those prosperity churches background where, you know, claim it and take it or name it and take it or however they said it, mm -hmm. um, which is a very bad teaching. Um what I've learned over the years by hearing you is that God is with me and that God is not punishing me and God isn't doing this on purpose to, to try to point, prove a point to me or anything. But only thing I, I believe that I've learned that he's trying to prove is that he's going to be with me through everything. And yes, because we are Christians, it does not exempt us from being sick because we live in this in this fleshly body. So this fleshly body is subject to these things. So I just wanted to let her know to have faith in God. And no matter what we go through, God is going to be there for us. And I am a living example of that because I'm supposed to have back surgery, but it's been canceled now indefinitely because of this coronavirus. They took me off of my pain meds, which... Today, I am not having a great day. I'm in extreme pain. I've been in bed all day long. I cannot move my legs. I cannot stand up, but I praise God. So, Kimberly, just know that God is with you. And uh, I hope that was her name, Kimberly. But uh, it, it, it was her name. Okay, thank you. thank you. Pastor Ron, I just had a question. Um, I'm reading, as you know, I'm, I've been reading. Uh, through the Bible, and I'm in Psalms right now, Psalms 119, which is one of the longest <laughs> Psalms in there. My question is, I just finished reading it, um, why is it broken up into so many stanzas? Well, I call them stanzas, and then they have different names. And are those, what do those names represent? Are they Hebrew or are they Greek? And can I just listen to you because I messed up my phone and the, the app won't play anymore. Sure you can, Reuben. Thank you. And, and let me say this. Uh, the, the comfort that Reuben provided to Kimberly and to anybody else who's suffering out there comes from someone who's learned it experientially on a bed of suffering. I want you to think about that. This isn't just theory. This isn't just a Christian throwing out platitudes. This is somebody who's learned to depend on Jesus every day because he has no strength of his own and because he's learned finally Kimberly that he has no strength of his own what I've been privileged to watch over these years that Reuben has been calling the program is I've watched his faith grow by leaps and bounds I've watched him mature I would say before my very eyes but we, we've never met face to face but, but, but I've watched Reuben develop a deeper relationship, a completely uh, dependent relationship, dependent upon Jesus. And uh, the result has been that God has blessed exponentially, while not physically, spiritually. Reuben is a man who knows Jesus at a depth that he never knew him before. And that depth continues to grow. And I, I would dare say, and I don't speak for you, Reuben, but, but I would dare say that to know Jesus the way you know him now compared to before 
you would say to the Lord, if it took that kind of suffering and pain to get me to know you, well then, Lord, I wouldn't give it back. I wouldn't do it any other way. Then that's Amen. what sharing, that's what sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings is all about. So um, listen yeah. to yeah. someone who has been given the ministry of affliction. Uh, Kimberly, Reuben knows what he's talking about. Um, Reuben, Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible by far. And um, the form, the reason it's broken up into sections um, is, is simply because of, of uh, it's a, a Hebrew form of poetry. Uh, while it's a little awkward for us to deal with, um, a Jew who would be reading that would understand it was, it was just a, a form of poetry. Um, you know, if somebody writes a short story, they write in their style. Well, that would be the style of poetry that, that a Jew would, would write in. And it is in Hebrew, uh, Reuben, not in Greek. Um, the, the Greek Septuagint is one of our most reliable um, Old Testament manuscripts. Um, and, and so that there you could find it in Greek. But uh, the idea is simply that it's broken up into sections, um, and each section has a sort of a, 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 a moral to it, a path that they're going down on, and all of it is to exalt the Word of God. I, I used to know this for sure. I think it's three verses in all of those verses. There's only three verses that don't mention the Word of God. And so all of those stanzas, all of those different segments, Reuben, are designed um, to, to bring out the full characteristics, the full value uh, of the Word of God. And uh, when that psalm was written, it was written by a lover of the Word of God. Uh, somebody could look back and, and say that your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, those kind of things. So it's, it's just poetry. And Reuben, don't get stumbled by the the style or the format. Um, there's lots of different types of Hebrew poetry, and this is just one form. Reuben, thank okay. you. Really good to hear thank from you. you. Appreciate it very, very much. God bless. 340-9585. See, Reuben is one of those guys that um, can minister to people in a way that, that somebody like me can't. Um, you know, I've got physical issues, had physical issues, but this is a man who has really lived on a bed of suffering. Here's a question from Jason. Pastor Owen, what is the best way to get ready for Jesus' return? I agree with what you said yesterday about him coming back soon. Jason, I, boy, I can't say it enough either. I really believe that he's coming back at any moment. So the best way for you to get ready for Jesus' return is to be ready. You don't have to get ready. It's not like you got a test that you got to cram for. Be with Jesus. If you listen to this program, Jason, um, for any length of time, you're going to hear me say, just be with Jesus. If you want to be ready for Jesus' return, then be with him, and you're ready. It's that simple. You know, I love the story of Enoch, Jason, um, who, who all alone, for, for 300 years, Enoch would be, in an Old Testament construct, what we'd call getting saved at 65 years of age. 65 was very, very young at the beginning. People lived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And Enoch got a message from the Lord. He believed it by faith and transformed his life. And then the Bible says that for 300 years, Enoch alone walked with God. That means Enoch turned his back on a world that was given over to evil. Completely given over to evil. It meant that he removed himself from the fellowship of sin and the fellowship of, of evil men. The way I imagine it was that he would get up every morning and the one thing that Enoch couldn't wait to do was take his walk with Jesus. And then one day he was taken. Now we know he was ready because he was with Jesus. So Jason, read your Bible, not, not for any reason other than learning who Jesus is, and by faith learning and understanding what he's done, talk to him throughout the day, all day, every day. Serve the people that he loves. He loves everybody. He died for the sins of the world. 
Um, follow Paul's counsel to Philemon. Be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. But you see, those are the things you're going to do anyway if you're with Jesus. So just be with him. Instead of trying to get ready, be ready. And if you've been a little bit distant from the Lord and now you think, well, I heard Pastor Ron say Jesus is coming soon and now I really believe it. Remember what I said yesterday, Jason? I said that today God has the attention of the whole world. The whole world. It isn't just an American issue. It isn't a foreign issue. This is, this is the whole world is on alert. And every time God has changed the world as we know it, every time it's dealt with a message that says judgment is coming. Now, Jason, you're a believer. You and I won't be here when that judgment is poured out. And somebody asked yesterday, the day before, I can't remember now, but whether this virus was the judgment from God. It's not because Christians are still here and we can't be judged. So be grateful for what God has done for you and live your life for Him. When you sin and you will, we're flesh. Hate your sin. I mean, really, really and truly hate it. Repent. Don't do guilt. Just say, oh God, I did it again. I'm sorry. And he'll say, okay, let's start walking again. And you'll be ready. And again, Jason, Jesus is coming back soon. I know that as though I know my own soul. Thank you very, very much. An anonymous caller, I can't read that turnaround. Anonymous caller wanted to remind you that Psalm 119 has 22 letters. Yeah, the different sections letters. So thank you. I appreciate the update. Uh, here is a question from Jackson. Um, Pastor Ron, can I know your views on preterism? Um, Jackson, preterism is lazy scholarship. Preterism, for those of you who don't know, is, and, and there's different forms, and there's certainly ultra-preterists, uh, but but basically, preterism um, means that that someone believes that all scripture, all prophecy in scripture, has been fulfilled in 70 A.D. with the destruction of Jerusalem. And there are some little tiny bands of preterism saying, well, not all, but most. But but I think generally speaking, Jackson, uh, it's it's somebody who just thinks that all prophecy, all of it, has been fulfilled. And when I say it's it's lazy scholarship, um, all you have to do is is look at all of the prophecies about Jesus' return and ruling and reigning on earth from the throne of David, and and there can be no question that all prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet. Now it's why it's important to have your eschatology. Eschatology is a study of the end times. Um, to, to have it down, be a student of it. If you are an amillennialist, meaning there's not going to be a millennium, and a preterist would say, well, the millennium is just figurative, it's an allegory. It's not. I think it's Revelation chapter 20, it is, where over and over the Holy Spirit goes out of his way to talk about the thousand years reign for a thousand years, when the thousand years are over, and on and on and on. The idea is it's it's a literal, at one point it will be an historical thousand years. Prince would say, well, you know, maybe we're in the millennium now. And we're going to rule and reign until Jesus takes over. That's not what Paul says. Writing to Timothy, he says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that things are going to get much, much worse. So I think preterism is lazy scholarship. I think sometimes smart people outsmart themselves. And all we need to do, Jackson, is read the Bible. Not, not how we interpret it, but read it for what it says and believe that. And there's a lot of prophecy 
that hasn't yet been fulfilled. My goodness, if we were already in the millennium and this is what it looks like, how disappointed would we all be? Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Lisa has a what? Well, we got our caller back. Harold from San Antonio. Harold, thank you for calling back. You're on the air. Yes. Hi, Pastor Ron. I got disconnected somehow. I was in the car, uh, but I'm back home now. You know, um, just uh, real quick at work, you know, most people know I have the Bible at work. And once in a while when I'm reading privately, uh, I'll start reading out loud and they'll go, there he is. He's preaching again. And I said, no, I'm not preaching. I'm just reading out loud. But this one friend of mine, he goes, you got something in that Bible that sounds good today? And I said, well, actually, I just read Mark chapter 7, uh, 7 through 5. You know, that's where, you know, I'll try to read real quick. The Pharisees, you know, and the scribes, you know, they went together. I'm paraphrasing. And they saw his disciples and ate bread. and It was defiled. But then it says, uh, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding tradition to the elders. When And then when they go to the marketplace... Some of them, it says, I'm paraphrasing again, wash cups, pitchers, and he goes, mm-hmm. that's been going on that long? Yes, Renee. <laughs> he goes, well, that's real good. Okay. So he thinks a lot. <laughs> he goes, he actually said, I need to hear something from the Bible. And I'm yeah. like, well, I'm glad I was there to help. But I know you're running out of time, but I just thought it was a good little moment for a minute there. Harold, thank you for that. You know, that that just goes to demonstrate the power of a witness when we people know that you're a, a man of the Bible. I, I used to laugh at Paula because she'd be on the stair-stepper machine and she'd be working so hard, sweat pouring off, but she's got her Bible up there and people come up to her and ask her questions because they know she's the Bible lady. Now, Harold, the next time somebody says anything good in there, I wouldn't take them to that, but but there's... Uh, I mean, people are looking for a word of comfort. They're looking for a word of hope. And all of you in this audience, we have the only good news in this world. We, we are the only ones that have real hope. And the people need to hear it. I love Harold's friend said, I need to hear something good out of there today. It's there. Maybe Harold, the next time he says that, tell him, Well, listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What a great message of hope that is. We can with 100% certainty say that God loves you. And while you might be struggling with this virus crisis, God's been here before. God's got this. And if you'll give him the chance... He'll have you as well. Harold, my last comment on this is I was at the gym. Uh, little guy, little, he's not little by any means. He's, he's, he's short. But, but this guy is a, a bodybuilder, and I mean a muscle geek bodybuilder like you see on TV. And I've been talking to him, I'll bet, for four or five years. And see him at the gym, and, and he's, he, he likes to talk, so he'll often approach me about something. And I've told him over and over about the Lord. I've told him um, uh, how, how God will bless his life, but, he, but you've got to put your hands in, in Jesus' life. And, you know, he's very, very nice and likes me, but at the same time, um, you know, he wasn't too interested. So on this particular day when he came up to me, started to talk to me, I said, you know what, right now I'm, I'm, I'm done with the workout, but Mike, here's what I'll do. If you ever want to talk about something important, I'll always be here for you. Whether it's right now or anytime, you know where I am. You know how to get a hold of me. I see you nearly daily. If you want to talk about something important, I'm here. You shouldn't want to talk about the other stuff that really doesn't make much difference. And I've told him about Jesus already. We've had plenty of small talk. It's time to be serious. So, good job, Harold. Last question. Lisa's question says, Pastor, I'm a dreamer. Every night I dream. Are those dreams from God? 
Uh, Lisa, some may be. God does speak to people through dreams, but I think our tendency is to, to think every dream has to be from God, and we're looking for interpretations, and we want to know what it is, and um, I, I think most dreams are just that. They're just dreams. I am, Lisa, of an exceptionally active dreamer. I have dreams that I'll pick up where I left off if I wake up for some reason. And and I have lots and lots of terrible nightmares. None of those dreams are from God. I've had a dream or two from the Lord over the years. But because I dream all the time, most of the time I'm content. It's just a dream. So don't attribute every dream to God. And if you have a special dream, there seems to be a significance to it. Well, then simply say, Lord, if you gave me a dream, you want me to know what it means. So you tell me when the time is right. You interpret this dream for me. And he'll do it. But don't go to people that say they have the gift of interpreting dreams. That's Old Testament stuff. Um, Just... Rely on hearing from God at the right time. If that dream was from Him, at the right time, He'll reveal the meaning. He wants you to know. So, Lisa, thank you for that. We are out of time for the day. To all of you, stay close to Jesus. Stay in your Bibles. You've got time now that you won't have again once things get back to normal. So stay close to Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Paul alive in studio tomorrow. Genesis chapter 3. We finish tonight on on our live stream. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.